Presented by the Hockey Shop, source for sports Langley, thehockeyshop.com. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast. Darren Millard along with David Hutchison checking in with the happy, the chippy, Kevin Woodley. You've turned that frown right upside down. I'm chipper instead of chirpy? You're, you're chippy. Is that, does you're that work? I'm, I'm going to... Listen, hockey started. The season is on, uh, underway. I get to watch goalies do goaltending things on a nightly basis. How can I continue to be a miserable beep like I was the last time we had on here? Um, feeling a lot better, starting to feel a little more like myself and trying to channel the positive energy that you guys bring to the show every week. I, I let myself slip into a, into a, a one-week uh, pity party misery stint, but I'm back, baby. I'm back. You know what? I think you have to go through some highs and lows to really appreciate uh, the the good moments and and be embracing that side of it. There, there's nothing wrong with a, a dip every now and then. We just don't want to stay there, buddy. Well, I mean, you know, um, let's just just say my Advil consumption has gone down significantly in the last week. Like life with constant headaches is no fun. So now that those have been removed, I can find a smile. We'll check in with the hockey shop and cam. We got the uh, brand new Axis XF mask coming up in our gear segment. Uh, really excited to see and hear about that with the 3D printing uh, liner. And we have uh, Thomas Magnuson, our Sense Arena, Sense Arena VR feature interview. And uh, Thomas is just the uh, one of those uh, godfathers of the position where you just sit there and you listen and you absorb. And uh, the more... The less you talk, the better it's going to be uh, if you're ever in, in the room with Thomas Magnuson. So we're looking forward to to that. But uh, let's get to uh, what's going on over at Ingle. We're starting to crank up the season here. Uh, Hutch, what, what's happened? Always lots of great stuff up over at Ingle. And one of the premier ones, of course, is that Axis XF mask review that Woody put together. So go check that one out. The other one that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, I put up an article for goalie parents that seem to have gained a fair bit of traction, sort of 10 tips for being a good goalie parent this year, ways that you can have the best season you've had and maybe help your son or daughter have their best season as well. And it's funny. Every time we put something up for parents, we get a whole lot more interest from readers and they jump on there. So I think we need to work on having a little bit more goalie parent uh, content up there. So this one was fun to, to write. It was a combination of my own experiences as a goalie parent and all those NHL goalies we've spoken to, goalie dads like Jerry Price we've spoken to. Just tried to put together. I came up with a lot more than 10 tips, but the list wouldn't be as exciting if it was 13 tips. Part two. It just means we need a part two, Hutch. It was really good. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I may not be a goalie parent directly, but I am now the parent of a young athlete. My daughter is starting, well, has been for a few years now playing competitive volleyball. One of her coaches told me, this is last year at Nationals, like, you know that she's a libero in volleyball, which for those who sort of watch the sport casually, they're usually the one in the different colored jersey. Um, they're sort of responsible for serve returns and digging balls. And one of her coaches told me, did you know that the libero is the goaltender? of the volleyball team. And I thought that is just perfect. So your tips actually, because I've been struggling with how to watch games and how to have those car rides home, remain supportive when I want to ask a whole bunch of questions, um, make sure they're the right questions that I'm asking, not put her in a defensive mindset. Uh, it was, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. I really enjoy, really enjoy doing the, the goalie parent thing. And 
getting to experience it as a goalie coach as well, getting to see sort of both sides of it has uh, it's been really interesting. So yeah, enjoyed writing that. We'll have lots more coming. I'll probably expand on some of those 10 tips and turn them into larger articles because as always, I've got way more to say than I gave myself room to say it in. And the other stuff on ingolmag.com right now, of course, we've got pro reads. There'll be a fresh one coming up uh, right around the time of this podcast or shortly after because Hutch actually has to produce all this stuff. Poor bugger. Um, but we've had some good ones lately. There's a nice pro drill that we did with Devin Levi and Marco Romano as goalie coach. And I think the reason I want to highlight that one, even though I can't like it's it's a little more than a week old, but it kind of feeds right into the stuff that Thomas Magnuson talks about mm-hmm. today, about not just going through the sort of motions when you're out there doing drills. Marco does a nice job of adding a cognitive element, a thinking element to what are otherwise pretty standard crease movement drills. And I think that type of you know dynamic approach is something that we're going to hear Thomas talk about a lot in terms of do we need to change the way that we are practicing with our goaltenders as we try and in his words, you'll hear him talk about it. We're chasing now, man, the shooters are ahead and it's time for the goalies to catch up. Do we need to change the way we're practicing? And I think that drill featuring Devin Levi, who got his first win of the season last night in, in, in overtime, by the way. Um, and we'll have some sense arena news involving Devin Levi, but a great on ice drill with Devin Levi and Jet Greaves, who was just called up by the Columbus Boot Jackets and is now wearing the Axis XF mask, is also a part of that drill. So all the worlds are colliding, and they usually do so in the goaltending world at ingoalmag.com. Make sure you check it out. Shameless plug. There's no better buy in hockey if you want to get better as a goaltender. Hey, I got two other things I want to get to before we get to the more important stuff in the podcast, Darren. If you're listening right now, you find yourself drifting off thinking, I wish these three old codgers would just shut up and get to the interview. Head over to ingoldmag.com right now. Scroll down to the podcast section and you can sign up for our premium podcast option. All it is, is the feature interviews. You don't have to listen to anything else. Straight to the feature interviews. If you're new to the podcast, it's a great way to go back and consume more than 230 interviews that are up there now. Because probably you don't want to go through the current events of goaltending two years ago as you listen to, you know, a really cool podcast from Carey Price or Carter Hart or somebody like that. So premium podcast, awesome option if people want to listen to these interviews on the way to the rink this season, Woody. Or 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 listen to the previous two episodes we had Thomas Magnuson on. Correct. Right? right? Like, because you're going to hear this one this week and you're going to be like, man, I want to go back and listen to the origin story the first time. And then I didn't even realize this. I'm going to blame the concussion because I was feeling it when I interviewed Thomas um, a second time. So this is his third time on the podcast with us. And you're going to listen to this. and You're going to want to listen to him more. And there's a great way to do it without having to listen to us. Perfect. And I got one more little announcement. You could probably listen to like three or four episodes in the time that it takes of getting Kuznetsov to go down in a shootout. <laughs> or, for, or for Woody to answer one question. Yeah. Or for us to hit the record button because we're having so much fun talking goaltending before we even start the episode. Okay, so Hutch had an announcement. We're going to put that on hold for one sec, Hutch, because we do want to get into the Kuznetsov thing. Where are you guys at on the shootout? There's a lot of talk around the goalie world, around the hockey world, actually. It's not goalies, interestingly enough, that are leading the charge that this shouldn't be a part of the game. The super slow-mo off the left wing to the goalie's left, cutting in, barely moving forward. Patrick Kane, stick handling back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Quick shot, low blocker. 
I think he is now eight of nine on it since he went to the slow-mo. Like it's been quote unquote unstoppable, which I call crap on. Um, but I think he's eight of nine since he went to this technique and the ninth one hit the post. So where, where are we at? Are we, is, is the goalie union upset? Do we think that the Kuznetsov shootout move needs to be banned or we just need to figure out how to stop it? Not in the spirit of the, the uh, effort, the attempt that what, what it's supposed to be like, uh, it's supposed to replicate that's at some point, uh, what a breakaway would be. And that's certainly not the case. Yeah, I I tend to agree. If you're one of those people that already has trouble with the shootout because it's a skills competition, for it to go to this level kind of drives me crazy. I mean, I appreciate the idea that we should adapt. I actually was a guy who enjoyed having things like the spinorama in there, even though it got outlawed. Um, so so I like the concept of it, but when it just gets to this level, it it something really irks. So. I'd be in favor of it's again, it's too much of a skills competition to do it this way. But the old thing like they tried in that three on three summer league where you get to chase or like they do in minor hockey, something to create a I'd little love bit a of chaser. speed, I would appreciate. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go devil's advocate here. Boys. Of course you will. You should though. I'm, I'm, yeah. I like, I think as goalies, we just got to figure it out. Like just figure it out. Like if it's, a, if it's a skills competition, we all hate it. Right. Like, no, I, I've never been a fan. I'm with you, Hutch. The only part of it, like if we're going to make it a skills competition, then show off the skills, figure out a way to stop this thing. Um, but there's the constraints spinner, on everything regardless. I mean, well, so. the, the spinner, I, I, the only reason I had a problem with the spinorama, I liked it too. Like again, solve the problem. The problem with the spinorama is as you spun and guys did it a little too close, you had the risk of them putting their fat ass right into somebody's head. Like that's, and that's where I see the same risk of a chaser. Now you're adding a speed element. And the potential for a collision and the potential for injuries to a goaltender. So that's, I'm being a little overprotective, maybe probably because, you know, it happened to me twice and I ended up, you know, not feeling so good for a long time here after getting hit by a similar type of, of collision. So um, as far as Kuznetsov go, I'm like, I, like, I keep watching the replays and I get it real easy for me to sit on the couch and say, solve the problem. But I mean, he has no speed. There is no forward momentum. There is no need for us to retreat, although my legs are burning just watching it because it takes so long. But there's probably no reason to retreat to the point where most of these guys are at best half ice by the time he takes that shot. And so that blocker side is exposed. Cheat blocker side. Make him go to his backhand. And hey, he can finish that way, but almost every time he's finishing the other way. So force him. I remember Alex Burroughs had a move in Vancouver for years in the shootout that was almost sort of fake forehand, backhand deep roof and forever it worked until goalie started to sort of until it didn't yeah exactly so i i'm more of the and listen i get it it's not pure but there's nothing about the shootout that's pure they just want to solve a tiebreaker that lets us go home without the networks having to figure out you know an extra 10 minutes of hockey or the pa bitching that the players are too sore and tired because they've had to play too much or we have more injuries in three on three you can't just play till the game's over it doesn't work for travel it doesn't work for tv it doesn't work for an 82 game season this is what we have. So if we're going to embrace it, I, I'd actually go back to, I, I'd let the spinner Amos happen. Hell, let them go behind the net and tuck it with a, with a lacrosse move if they want to. Like just, it's our job to figure it out as goalies. There's so much skill in the game. Let's show it off. Even if, even if it takes a little while for Mr. Kuznetsov to get to the point where he delivers the finishing product. Has anybody tried attacking him? 
I, I, I actually, I've heard that proposed. Because at that speed, could he get around he you? He doesn't get really... that close to you, though. Like he, that's. Mm. The, I, I think it's. I heard the it's same really thing. Good. On the, he, the... He's really, really dialed in on keeping some space between himself and the goalie. Mm-hmm. Just enough space that I think if you were to lunge with a yeah. poke check, and he doesn't have enough speed, right? So it's not like you're going to like clip him and trip him. If you were to lunge yeah. with a poke check, I think he'd probably just pull it to the backhand and tip it over you. I mean, the guy, like, that's the other thing. Like, love him or hate him, the celebrations, the whatever the, the bird birdie man. does. I love it. I love like, it, too. Kuznetsov Showmanship is, is great. incredibly talented. How do right? you like, stop it, then? I think you got to cheat on it. I think you got to take away one of his options. Like, he's got two options there, right? This is really easy for me to say. I'm sure goalie coaches have had this discussion, or maybe not. We don't pay enough attention to the shootout. Like maybe we're, you know, like the last thing you to do is like you're focused on getting through 65 minutes. I don't know other than a pre-scout. And we talked to Devin Levi, right? Actually, I'd love to have this conversation with him because he doesn't want to see the pre-scout. But this is the same move every time. Mm-hmm. It's one way or the other. He either pulls it backhand or he shoots low blocker. I'd, I think I'd probably hedge towards he comes in on his forehand. I would probably hedge towards cheating to the blocker side. And just not give up any ice. I would not have much retreat at all in my game. Because I think guys are trying to slow their retreat. But when you go back and watch the video, there is drift. And by the time he gets to a shooting point, almost all of these guys are half ice in their crease. They, they are not out near the top. Well, head. and it's not like you get to practice this. You're just figuring it out in your head and then you get one chance. Yeah, but I, yeah, that's, that's true. I think you could practice it. I think if you knew you had the Capitals the night before, you could ask a player to sort of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. initiate. Because you know if you get to a shootout, you're seeing this. Is it worthwhile spending the time in practice? I don't have the answer. And this is just a fun discussion between three goalies. And re- like I said, really easy to Monday morning quarterback this. Um, but, but we should be up for the challenge. I think, I'd say it's finish. totally worth the time in practice. Because that's a point. It's a point. Yeah. I love the idea of like just cheating blocker side and making him beat you somewhere else. Cause if he, if you don't cheat, you're sunk anyway, based on his track well, and, record. So why not? And again, I haven't been in the net. I haven't seen this. I haven't thought this through, but my, just my gut reaction is that because he carries it in on the forehand, as he's making all these little deeks and little moves, the pucks out on the forehand, I think for the most part, I could be wrong. Maybe he holds it right in the middle. I think it's but middle. It, and then it's a quick whip over, which is what exposes okay. things. Okay. I I'd still cheat. Cause I still think that I can make a push to my backhand faster to his backhand. Faster. You know, he prefers the forehand to that block. Like yeah, right? like, at, least, so. at least make it uncomfortable. And, and the forehand, he's got his spot, you know where it is. And as a goalie, low blockers, such a tough one. Anyways, I just feel like, if I'm hedging to that side, I've got a better chance with my glove hand of getting a piece of that if he goes if you force him to pull blocker or to pull it back to his backhand, pardon me. And I could be totally wrong. There could be a bunch of goalie coaches out there that are like, You're an idiot, Woodley. Guilty as charged. Send us some notes. Send what do you think? Info at ingolmag.com. I want to hear how you stop a Jenny Kuznetsov shootout move or whether we should even have to. Let's get some feedback going. I think you cheap blocker, you butterfly when he gets in closer you force him to try and slide it to the backhand and you try and time a poke check you 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 force him to bring the puck in uh in front of him see okay okay what about instead of a poke check because he has no momentum what if you go what if you go mark andre Fleury? what if you go johnny bauer on this yeah and just like a two pad like 
stack out towards him, like just lunge, but like just stack I the like wall. It. I love the wall stack. Because you, yeah. you, you, could, you could get like so extended with it that he's got no room to go. But I'm, I'm with you, Darren, for the most part, like a regular. No, you're dead there. He'd catch you in transition because he can move those hands You've got to so be fast. thinking somebody's going to try that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I'd love to see it just for the entertainment value. Or Woody, you but just I think you'd charge. Be I, I think I think it's I think a standard poke check. You're yeah. dead. But because he has no m- m- momentum, if you were to come out and like like go at him and sort of extend to a point where you're closing the area off, I, it would at least make it tougher. You're probably right though. He probably just chips it over you like a cheeky little Pavel Datsuk. Well, just on your way down, it's in the net. It's just like a guy getting caught on a sharp angle play. Where where are you most vulnerable? You're pretty good standing. You're pretty good in the RVH. You're in trouble when you start moving from one to the other. I think a uh, fair. stride and a half or a stride charging him as he's slow. And if he if he makes the adjustment quick enough and beats you, fine. But at least you, you gave it a shot. I, I, I want to see Devin Levi because he comes out damn near the hash marks. Oh, I want to see what would happen if he would come out like that far. Like, what's Kuznetsov doing at that point? Does he have to make an adjustment? As soon as he slows down, bang, you're at the hash mark. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. That'd be great. Hey, the Washington Capitals were one of the first and most digital-friendly organizations. I think they had a section in the press box for bloggers years ago. So maybe this would be a great opportunity for them to do a little film shootout. Kevin Woodley and Nett, Kuznetsov trying his move over and over again. Just beer league or figure them just out. watch me get my ass handed to me over and over and over again pure entertainment i mean people would love it we have a, a program with our video team that allows you libero where you can track speed of, of shots and distance and different things uh, i'm gonna put the clock on because that's up i want to see how fast he's actually going compared to other players and and the hockey world, by the way, you know was Jason Allison a big apology because in the mid two thousands he played for the Toronto Maple Leafs and got roasted for how slow he was in the shootouts. Now he wasn't trying to go slow; <laughs> that was the big difference there. Uh, but he just full speed. he just got ripped apart for how slow he was in the shootout. And now Kuznetsov is doing it on purpose. There's a bunch of young people right now that have no idea what we're right. talking about. But man, did Jason Allison have hands? Oh my goodness, like. Very similar, except he was actually skating instead of doing what Kuznetsov <laughs> that was, is doing. That, that was that was full steam ahead for Jason Allison, but man, silky mitts. Before we get to the uh, gear segment and our feature interview, Hutch, what do we got for a big announcement? Oh, hey, look, it's not a huge announcement. It's just something I wanted to let people know up front before uh, we chase them away with our banter. We're going to be having a big giveaway coming up before the end of november coming up within the next six weeks i can't tell you exactly when it is um it's going to involve two full sets of custom gear but the only way you're going to be involved in this giveaway is if you're on our email list there's no other way we're going to be able to get in touch with you so head over to ingolmag.com if you are not a current subscriber there is a, a little box as you slide down where you can put in your email address get on our list and then when this happens you'll get notified can ask you just to give us a little bit of feedback on something, and then in return, you'll get the opportunity to be involved in this giveaway. Now, I should note, folks, that doesn't mean we're telling you you have to subscribe to the paid product. The email Correct, 100%. Thank you, Kevin. is free. We'd like you to subscribe to the paid product, but you can sign up for the email newsletter weekly for free. You'll get links to all the podcasts, 
all the video sessions that we do with the hockey shop. So we will keep you updated on that because that's all free. Um, mm-hmm. Gear reviews are also free. That Axis XF review, you don't need to be a paid subscriber to go watch it. Um, and you'll get sort of weekly updates on the paid content. You'll know what's on there and whether you want to subscribe. So uh, there's no charge to sign up for the free weekly email newsletter. Just give us your email address. And that way you'll be informed and on top of this opportunity to win, like Hutch said, two full custom free sets of gear. Two free custom sets of gear. Well, we're not going to give, that we're is, not giving two away to the same no, person, but two different, no, no, two different winners. Two, different two winners. free custom sets of gear. How nice just is that? Right? Lars signing up right now. Yeah. I signed up five minutes ago. That is awesome. Like, there's nothing better. I love it. And I love watching the guys at the hockey shop uh, roll out their Tendy Fest uh, sets uh, that that, that they gave away. Uh, It just gets my blood pumping. uh, And and they are busier than ever over at the hockey shop. Yeah, they are, because there's lots of new gear launching. Actually, it's funny. We banked a whole bunch of gear segments with stuff that had come out in the summer that we're still playing catch up with. I think we've got some Vaughn pants. We've got a whole, uh, uh, some some new stuff from Warrior, some mask changes there. We just can't keep up. But the industry has kind of changed, right? Like it used to be everything launched in the spring. Now we're seeing launches in season. We saw it with the Axis XF mask that we're going to talk to Cam about. But there's other new products. There's the new Bauer stick, the Agent stick. There's the new Warrior stick. There are new products coming out all the time to the point where we can't keep up with our weekly gear segments. We're going to get caught up soon enough, but we can't keep up. So if you want to check out where the the best place, the best prices to buy the latest and greatest, and don't forget huge discounts on the product it replaces, right? So new warrior sticks, Cam's got a ton of the old model and it's all marked down now. Make sure you check out the hockey shop, Source for Sports, if you happen to be in the lower mainland. Hey, we've had people drive there from as far away as, you know, come up from Oregon, Seattle, uh, as far east as Australia. Well, yeah, visitors from Australia, Calgary to come see the hockey shop, to see Goal Utopia. But if you're not blessed to get there in person, make sure you check them out at thehockeyshop.com. Like I said, lots of sales on the gear that's being replaced by all this new gear that we've got coming in. And that includes today the new Axis XF mask something Hutch and I have sort of been privy to. Um, I was privy to it a couple summers ago when it was still in the design stages to see the finished product, to start to get feedback now from NHL guys, AHL guys. Annalise Bergman of the NCAA features prominently in our review. Uh, NHL guys are now starting to get the mask that they can try. Dustin Wolf will be here tomorrow night. going to talk to him about this mask because he's wearing it in the American Hockey League. Uh, lots of exciting stuff. Let's let's check in with Cam and try and get some of the details on what makes this mask unique and why it might be for you. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Doors for Sports. I'm down here in Goalie Utopia. I guess not down here anymore because there's no basement. I'm in Goalie Utopia without having to go downstairs. Although I do miss the Marc Andre Fleury elevator signal every time it closed. Flower there making a you know how old that thing was? I loved it. I loved it. Anyways, I digress. That was the best cam has ever looked because he was wearing the new Axis XF mask. I want to know how much product is in his hair because it didn't shift at all after taking it off. But again, I digress. I'm I'm getting away from the best part. 
a mask that a lot of people have been waiting for. A mask that we've heard from pros, junior goalies. I remember the I remember being at Pendy Fest the first time we saw this, sort of secretly in the back, and having WHL goalies. There were about three of them there, and they were all like, "Nah, not you know, I've, I've got my mask that I wear. I've got my brand that I wear." And then they tried it on. And they're like, "Yeah, can you send me one?" So why? Cam, well, this shows XF. Why this shows this so a little special? bit about how much it's been in the blender to to refine the design. Like, uh, I mean, this again, seeing that early tease on, that would have been 2019 potentially. Oh, but, look at uh, you, like dropping how, how early hey, you're ahead of this. It was uh, development and then early stages, and I mean, like, you know, they settled on something, wasn't quite happy with it, decided to make it even better, and here's what let's we have Let's say now. why. Okay, let's let's show. So, me. starting point. Brand new for this season. You're going to bury the lead on this, aren't you? What, what, what do you mean bury the lead? Okay, just keep going. I don't even know what that means. Not a journalist. <laughs> Burying the lead, Cam, is when you take the best part of something and leave it way at the end instead of leading with it. I know. It's like putting the milk in the back. I, I'm a retailer, you know? Okay. <laughs> okay. XF mask. So, new, completely for this year, completely new shell shape. Completely new cage, completely new backplate. Let's dive into this a little bit further. So, because the biggest thing that's new is the liner. Speaking of burying the lead, that's what changed the most. Yeah, you know, it's, there it's we called go. building, there. building, building. Nest tech. Nest tech. All right, well, now since we're talking about the liner, let's open this up and have a quick look. So this Nest tech 3D printed liner, what's so awesome about this? So let's start with airflow first. Excellent, excellent, excellent breathability with the mask um, in terms of keeping your, like CCM has really put a good focus on, you know, keeping your temperature down, keeping it at a moderate level when you're increasing, you know, those high levels of play. The words These you're looking for, thermal regulation. Thermal regulation. Thank you. So this mask is definitely executed and built off that for sure with that uh, breathability and overall feel wise. Now, the other benefit of Nest Tech is concussion dampening. So. It's soft and cushy too. It feels nice on your head. Yes, but why? Why else is that important, Kevin? Well, because there's some give there. You have a tight fit feel, and yet it's going to have a little bit of lateral give, not just on pucks, but on collisions to the side. Right? There's a little bit of forgiveness as opposed to being locked in and having that mask take your head with. So, as opposed to say a standard, you know, VN foam liner or what have you, anything like that, that's just basically sitting there. There's this actual physical give point to the mask to allow that little bit of cushion upon those impacts, especially, say, you know, side impacts from the puck, not necessarily direct on, you know, as we know as goalies, you know, we want to believe we're just going to kind of tilt our head forward and get hit. No, again, from the side, we get them from, you know, all areas for sure. So um, continuing forward, let's just pass the foam mask, new um, exo shell composite. So within that, basically, it's a carbon fiber lay all the way throughout the mask, not unlike what CCM has used in the past, but they've improved the way that they're laying the carbon, creating a little bit more rigidity to the actual shell itself, playing off of that Nest Tech material to create that higher level of protection. Okay, the Nest Tech liner actually screws in. Yes. Uh, we watched it get assembled in Montreal at the factory. That was kind of fascinating to see the process. We also watched the 3D printing. Little tease, not here yet. Maybe down the road. Can't say when. You might be able uh, to custom. Uh, well, if you can 3D print, you can cut. Uh, okay. So, anyways, back to what's available now. Um, Axis XF. As you said, the shape, the shell, everything's changed. Liner is the biggest sort of probably attraction point, but strapping's different. 
We see the straps on the top are anchored on the inside with screws, so you no longer have the straps on the outside, which sort of just helps with the overall fit and feel. The straps run through the back plate between the hard back plate shell and the the new Nest Tech foam. Yes, in the so, back end lining. So it does two things. Kind of, I actually like, I feel like it creates a snugger fit back there, sort of wraps around the back of your head, but also creates a nice big open space for painters. So if you've got tributes you want to have on the, on the back, uh, if you're an idiot like me and you once had a painter put your dog's name above your wife's name on the list of tributes, now there'll be room to maybe correct that in the future. That's a thing. So, um, lots so of also sort of... no clips on the overall face of the mask too. So you're going to run through less of these plastic like slider clips. It's a nice little quick call out. It's I still... was going to say not no clips, no clips on the top. There's, yeah. You're still anchored. You still go around Correct. on the bottom. Correct. But still a high common point was those ones off the top of the head. Um, easy enough to replace. Again, it's a little bit different though. These are actually screwed in with a mounting point here, for example. So it will be specific. XF straps to replace with the mask. It's not like you can grab your generic one and use. That said, the back plate also features a bit of a new design as well. So previous um, issue with um, some CCM masks is that the actual back plate, the hard piece was catching on the foam and peeling it back. Right. So as the elastic sort of, especially if you put it away with the elastics all tight, they sort of pulled that back plate into those foam layers and it would kind of peel it off. Now this fits almost like it's designed to fit in it. So two things that does, well, it creates a snugger fit laterally in terms of like somebody falls on your head and that compression that side. And you're right, it, it eliminates, it, like it, it's sort of like, like a glove, but a mask. It, the way the pieces all fit together, it's going to lock into play. Correct, correct. So cage is different. Let's yes. get to the cage. So Real completely quick. new cage, only fitting new mask. Old cage don't fit on the new. New cage don't fit on the old. Keep that in mind. Inset, you can see the inset around the edge of, correct. of, the, of the shell. Um, screws are now inset within the cage. So again, you're not going to, no chance of sort of having that screw exposed, catching a puck off that. And it's got dampeners built in between the cage. So why, why? See, again, you're doing that thing that you talked about earlier now. Well, that's not bearing the lead. That's yeah, just it was. Maybe you not talking about just, impact. Okay, explain now. Okay, so upon that impact of the cage, having that extra space there is allowing that cage to cushion and create an actual bit of a shock dampening effect. So less dented cage, more impact reduction, less vibration being transferred into your head, better protection, longer lasting cage. All huge benefits of this DCM Axis XF mask and this yes. new cage setup. Yeah, we'll go with that. I like that. Okay, we'll put that mask back on and we'll test just how much that uh, impact absorption is there. So to wrap this thing up, some big things here to come, but if you're looking for this right now, we are going to see this launching this Friday. Same date, I believe this video is going to be live. Should be October 13th. October so, 13th. If you got any questions, hit Friday up Cam the in store. Uh, deep throw in the chin cup, uh, similar to past models as well. Correct. Um, I think we pretty much covered it. But the biggest thing is that new liner, the Nest Tech 3D printed liner, uh, and the breathability is off the charts, folks. So, um, Six another new option. If you got questions for Cam, 589 8299 not just me. Any of the guys can chat with you about the mask and check us out at thehockeyshop.com. You will see these up online. They are available for pre-order at the moment, but since this is now Friday the 13th, the mask will be live and available for purchase. A goalie mask is launching on Friday the 13th.
the three D printing of the interior, the liner is awesome. But just the the shell is uh, is a, a fluid situation where it's changed along the the design of this mask, Woody. Yeah, no, I mean, I remember seeing earlier versions and it was a little rounded, a little more rounded. It still is. Um, the ridges are less pronounced on it. Uh, there's still ridges there designed to deflect pucks and ensure sort of less direct impact and absorption into the head of the goaltender. But it's certainly they're less pronounced than the previous mask. Interestingly enough, and this is in the review, like if you look at it, if I show you a picture of it next to the old axis, because they have added lines um, in the chin, it looks wider. Like it 100% looks wider, but I literally took a tape measure out and measured sort of the width down at the chin. And this obviously matters from a tracking perspective. We have to be able to sort of get that head tilted a little bit to sort of get our eyes on the proper plane from a puck coming off the ice. Um, it's the same width. Uh, the way it comes up at the side, like the profile, uh, isn't quite as steep. It's a little more gradual and long, but at the same points from the bottom up, it measures the same width. So, um, Early feedback from people who have worn the previous CCMS. So not comparing it to someone who's in a different brand and has a different chin profile, but from people in the previous CCMS is that they don't notice a difference. And the reason I'm talking so much about this is because visually it looks wider and because I think this is an important thing for a lot of goaltenders in terms of how does that chin move relative to my chest protector? Is there interference there as I'm trying to track and track down and maybe look down around behind, you know, over my shoulder or around my shoulder when a puck's behind the net, things like that. So um, the shell shape is different. It has evolved, as you said, Darren, I think it was, I think the early versions to me looked really round. I'm not sure that the eye test or the, you know, the sort of mirror test would have been as good as it is now. Um, But I think that's part of the process for CCM. They were sensitive to that feedback uh, and this is, as I said, something that's been in the works for a couple of years and it goes beyond just the new liner, which is, is fascinating to see. Uh, but the strapping, no clips on the top, it's all built into the underside, the inside of the helmet, crisscross straps along the back that, that run between the liner and the back plate. So there's no straps sort of cutting across the back of your mask. So you, it's a wide open space for painters or mask wrap artists to really have have at it and and you know make sure they do a good job there as i said in the video uh make sure your painter doesn't put your dog's name uh above your wife's if if you decide to list family members on yours may have been a mistake i made that i heard about for a long time with a past mask um but yeah there's it's there's a lot of unique new features there that that cam got into and uh you'll you can read a little more about it in our review it's it's an interesting time you know we love innovation at ingle it uh, doesn't matter the brand. We like it when when companies try new things, and this is different. This is new. Um, I'm I'm curious to see what NHL testing comes back on this uh, when we we start to see some of those results as well. I do have one important point on the dog's name versus your wife's name, Woody. Yes, her name was actually closer to your heart on the helmet. Right. That's something I should have thought about as a retort at the time. Instead, I just merely lived in the dog house mm-hmm. for a little while. Uh, I'm here for all your relationship advice, people. I could use an hour or two with you. If you, if you don't mind. Anytime. Okay, anything we'll, we'll talk you, as Darren. soon as we're, we're done here. I'm excited to see what 3D printing does on the rest of goalie gear or hockey gear as as they move this along what what's the limit to to 3d printing 
Actually, a good question because the, obviously the the concept here is that by building these, there's 170,000 struts, the individual struts. It looks they call it a lattice. It looks like sort of like a 3D spider web, um, and and that those struts can be computer designed specifically to absorb impact. So it's actually a fair question, especially because of the breathability factor, because of the ventilation factor. Could this replace traditional foams in other yeah. areas where we need protection? Would it help with dampening there? Now, I think of of pants, chest protectors. I, yeah, I'm. you've got me thinking now, Darren. Could this just be the tip of the iceberg? Now, the one thing I would say is the process to produce this. Uh, is incredible. Yeah, like like to produce a liner, to have it th- the 3D printing process on a custom level now the player helmets can be customized it's not an option at retail for goalies yet but you know that's one of those stay tuned let's see what happens um but it's like an eight hour process to print that liner so from a mass production standpoint uh, you know i don't know if that's something where if you're producing ten thousand chest protectors that becomes you know a viable alternative to, to 3d print some of those parts but at the at, yeah, you know, much like electric cars, right? We might just be at the tip of the iceberg here. Sticks down the line. Will we see 3D printed sticks? I don't know. Uh, there's uh, there's a long way to go with the advancement. And you look at back at the last uh, the initial stages of 3D printers and what we're doing now. It's, it's uh, I just, incredible. I just saw M- MIT 3D printed a boat for use by the Coast Guard yeah. uh, on, on the East Coast of the States, like an entire pursuit boat. So. Yeah, clearly we're just scratching the surface here. It's a big printer. Yeah, it's a little bigger than the one for the masks, yeah. or the one in my office right now. Like I'm just, I'm just trying to print out a uh, a lineup for my broadcasts, and well, listen, and I run out of ink. Listen, I can't even figure out inkjet, so I'm I'm the last guy that needs to be talking about technological advancements. But as we have always done it in goal, and listen, some of them don't always work out. We have always been excited about when companies push the envelope of, of, of technology and innovation. And uh, to me, this is another example. I don't think it'll be the last. I think we're going to hear, you know, we're going to hear about some other masks that have 3d printed liners here, uh, maybe sooner rather than later. Uh, technology and pushing that envelope, sensor in a sensor in a VR presenting our feature interview, Thomas Magnuson back with us, uh, this week and the, uh, sensor in a VR process continues to make uh, headway if I can use that terminology, on on training our goaltenders. Yeah, it sure does. And there's so much exciting stuff coming up with Sensorina Darren. Had a meeting with them, learned a lot about what's coming down the pipe here uh, really soon, although we can't give you any details for, I think it's about three weeks or so. So stay tuned. But they have put out uh, a couple of exciting things. NHL Sensorina is coming, and that's what I know some of the details on, but they've mentioned that it's coming. So there's going to be a whole lot more integration with the National Hockey League and Sense Arena. I think you're going to love what's coming down. And one of the announcements today was that Devin Levi is now an ambassador for Sense Arena. We've known for a long time that he's loved using Sense Arena. We've known that he loves the fact that he can work off ice with it, save his body that wear and tear, even sit there and just watch shots come in so he can learn to read releases just a, a great person in many ways we've described here to be an ambassador for sense arena because he uses the product he believes in the product and it helps him become a better goaltender but don't really need to say much more than that today guys because thomas magnuson is also a believer in sense arena 
And as seems to happen a lot on this show, we start talking to somebody and it just comes up. We're not setting this up because Sensorina sponsoring the podcast. Thomas just brought it up in his chat with Kevin. So uh, why don't we just let them talk about Sensorina and how it helps you out? I, I totally agree. One more quick plug, though, because we're, we're talking about Devin Levi, and you're right, perfect ambassador. Obviously, the Buffalo Sabres now lead the league in Sense Arena natural ambassadors. Devin may be the guy with the sponsorship, but Eric Comrie there in Buffalo, a big Sense Arena user. And another guy that I talked to in the preseason here with the Seattle Kraken this year, Joey Decord breaks camp with the Kraken in the NHL, and a guy who has practice plans plans that he uses on a game day to prepare to play in the NHL that he has shared so you can go through the same routines that he uses to get ready as a Sense Arena user. So make sure you check them out. I think Hutch, they still have offers on where you can you can have trials. Uh, you don't need to, to, to go right in and buy the whole package. Um, just we've said it for years. It's a fantastic way to get better as a goaltender. And it's kind of nice to see some of these young guys who have come up with the product as we have not the young part, but come up with the product as it was being developed now in the National Hockey League and still using it. So for anybody that thought it was just a video game, when you've got NHL guys using it like that, clearly, as we've been saying for years, the answer is no. And now speaking of guys who are serious and also believe in Sense Arena, Thomas Magnuson, as you said, Hutch, uh, just organically brought it up when we started talking about how to reduce wear and tear on goaltenders. And that was just one of many topics we dug into with Thomas Magnuson. We get into the race for scoring between scorers and goaltenders. Um, again, the wear and tear. He spent some time with the Toronto Maple Leafs as a special guest, invited to a little mini symposium the Leafs held on goaltending this summer internally. So lots of great insights from Thomas Magnuson in this feature interview. Not surprised. It's always great with Thomas. Always a great listen. We hope you enjoy. Really excited to welcome back to the Ingo Radio podcast, Thomas Magnuson, head of goaltending development for the Swedish Ice Hockey Federation, also the co-founder of the Swedish Hockey Institute. I think more importantly, uh, we were talking before this came on, one of the, a curious mind, one of the people who embraces the position and is constantly looking for new ways, not just the position, but the sport, um, to develop athletes, to develop people. Uh, and has constantly sort of got his finger on the pulse of new trends. I'm really excited. Last time we had you on, we talked about sort of your path to this position and the lessons along the way. I would encourage everybody to go back and listen to that because it was a fascinating interview. Today, we're just going to focus on what you've been up to, what you're seeing in the in the world of not just goaltending, but hockey, that constant battle between shooters and goaltenders. Catch us up a little bit. I've seen, I'm always following on Twitter. Movement conferences, uh, sort of pretty much all over North America and Europe, uh, talking to different federations and coaches about development models. Just just catch us up on, on the position and the role and what you've been up to. Well, thank you, Woody, for the uh, kind introduction and having me on for, I guess it's the third time, right? I think it, I was, I was trying to do the math. We're, we're at, we're over 200. I'm getting a little slower on the up, uptake. So it probably is the third time now. And I was thinking too. Well, as you mentioned, I, I, I've been uh, trying to stay curious and, and learn new things and share things about uh, hockey in general and, and goaltending specifically. So uh, I've been doing quite a lot of travel since 
spring and over the summer and now in early fall. So been to uh, Switzerland, to uh, the worlds in Finland. We went a group from the Swedish Hockey Association to visit USA Hockey in Michigan. And uh, uh, I was invited by the Toronto Maple Leafs to Toronto in, in August. So I've been getting around and, and also, as you mentioned, some conferences uh, digitally. I'm heavily uh, involved and interested in in new things like uh, Sensorina, for example. And, and uh, a lot of new things has come to my mind in the last two or three years and in development, in, in um, skill acquisition and, and, and uh, movement behavior, uh, mostly involving ecological dynamics. So that's what's the uh, SMSC, which is not SMS as in skate on post in Swedish, but, but it was uh, sports movement and skill acquisition. acquisition. So, yeah, I, I've been trying to uh, stay updated and, and uh, learn new things. And, and as, as I mentioned, uh, share as much as possible. Amidst all those journeys, I'm curious, you know, and I'm guessing these constantly evolve and much, much like everything in goaltending, there's no absolutes, no one answer. But, you know, you talk about body movement and, and there's a science to that. There's biomechanics, there's things like that. Where, where, do you, where are we at on that sliding scale? And I guess maybe it's unique to every goaltender between science and, and art, between instinct and technique. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned because I, I think I I uh, posted something on Twitter about one of the episodes of In Goal that really brought this to, to my mind with uh, uh, Devin Levi and uh, Marco Raimondo who were talking about this. I, I think we've been on to this for quite a while now, but I, I think, as you mentioned, the sliding scale, uh, goaltending going from as I, since I've been into this for so long, it, it used to be mostly reactive. Then it went very structural and and very uh, predictable. And now we're moving back to towards the the more reactive parts and have that that combination, which I think was mentioned very well in that episode of, of In Goal. And uh, I. I've been trying to advocate that that for for, for very long to to uh, sort of bring that pendulum back from the very structured, from the very predictable, uh, from the very uh, structured and blocking parts of goaltending to uh, more combined with the reactive parts and bringing that back. So I think we are all moving towards that, and it's it's part of the the race between. Scoring and goaltending, of course, because um, the, the the parts that that have become so predictable is what we see now as scoring is finally uh, try, uh, catching up with with the, the development of of uh, goaltending that we've seen over quite a few years. Now that they've got, and you, you talk about that them catching up, I I kind of always look at it like feels like I guess I've been doing this for 23 years as a reporter just sort of fascinated with the position and watching these goalie camps and 
I know they predated me by a significant margin. So I would watch goalies in the summer go work on their skills, whether it was technical or physical. And I would watch players forever just go get bigger, stronger, faster and play a lot of golf. And now they're working on their skills and they're breaking down the video. And that predictability that we want as goaltenders in terms of our environment and the ability to read it, they're starting to see it in terms of how goaltenders move and where the scoring opportunities are. And with some of these skills coaches, they're teaching them how to create those holes. If you do this, they will react like that and this will open up. Predictability. We've had this conversation with the Robin Lehner, um, goalies around the league. Are we seeing increasingly the importance of maybe not doing the same thing every time in the same situation, adding a little unpredictability as goaltenders? And can that be tough? Because sometimes consistency comes from doing things a certain way repeatedly. Yeah, I think that that's part of what we are changing and, and must change in, in how we practice, uh, which is part of what I was mentioning about ecological dynamics, which has one of their foundational uh, strategies or principles is uh, repetition without repetition. Uh, and that goes along with what we are talking about now, as well as uh, the part with, with a lot of injury caused by doing the same thing over and over and over again. But what we are talking about now is more uh, what I also liked about what, what the Devin Levi said, mentioned about um, not not doing the same thing over and over again and not uh, predicting what the shooters are going to do, but staying true to your game and, and uh, not being a, a predictable, predictable goalie by how you move, but not all, all, not also by how you predict what the shooters will do. And I think um, one one uh, quote uh, that I quote that I think uh, is really telling of this is uh, when uh, Alain Vigneault in this was in 2015 when he said, "If guys want to score more goals, put more work into your game because the goalies are." And that, and if you follow uh, scoring in the NHL, that's about the time was starting to uh, the, the numbers were rising. Starting 2015, 16, 17, when players actually started to practice like goalies um, on a more individual basis. Um, of course, skill, shooting skill, but also trying to learn more about goaltending in general, not so much in scouting each individual goalie, but more so looking into what's the commonalities between different goalies, because that's what we can react to in a game and learn about how we can score on every goalie. Now we're moving to the dark side, right, Woody? Yeah, uh, we we are, but it's interesting because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna warn you right now that I'm probably gonna steal that. I remember Elaine Vigneault saying that, and obviously have a lot of respect for AV from his time here in Vancouver. My column this week is on sort of how we got to a 904 save percentage, my NHL.com column, and I've talked to goalies around the league, and I I'm I'm gonna warn you right now, Thomas. I'm stealing that quote reference because I've been talking to the skill players about when this all started, and they've kind of said ten years ago but more so in the last seven or eight. And that ties right into that quote. You're right. Like that is the perfect timing where 
Like, like I remember one guy told me he had a skills coach in junior and, you know, he's been in the league 15 years, but they were, it just wasn't the same. It was just, you know, a little skills work after practice, the way they've dedicated to it. It really is. I think you're right in that window somewhere in the last five to 10 years, it got really serious. And this, this is the reason why it's so important for us working in within goaltending to, as we have always done to, to stay connected, to share uh, our knowledge and our experience about goaltending, uh, it's it's even more so important right now when the players are not not only catching up, but they are surpassing us actually in in, in their development in scoring, and we are not catching up in our development in goaltending. I believe. I was going to say, is did they have more room to grow because they weren't doing that work for so long? Definitely, yes. And uh, I think uh, what we mentioned about predictability is one part of it, uh, that they they know more about us now and we are still uh, predictable as we have been. So we need more more variation in, in our how we how we practice and in how we play. Now, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember, uh, cause I did see it on your Twitter and I mentioned the movement conference. Uh, I think you called it ecological. I apologize for not remembering the phrase Thomas, but where does that understanding of body movement and natural body movement fit into this, that, that art and that science? Cause I think a lot of the body stuff and, and I'm guilty of it as much as anyone, cause it, working with certain coaches, you know, biomechanics and, and they can be freeing, but also become rigid at the same time. Uh, speaking of quotes, I've been quoted saying that there are as many goal, uh, styles as there are goaltenders. Right. And uh, I said that many years ago without knowing that it's actually the foundation of ecological dy- dynamics where where uh, one of the main principles is that there are no ideal technique. Uh, like you, you cannot have one common understanding of technical parts of of any uh, movement or any part of sport because uh, ideal the the concept of ideal technique is just just an average it's an average over a large number of people but every every person has their own interpretation of that skill or that that technique so it has to be individualized and it also has to put has to be put in context. So one other thing is that as goalie coaches, when we had the chance to uh, step into coaching uh, in a sport that was mainly team oriented, we wanted to work individually with the goalies, but we did a lot of repetition 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 doing the same thing over and over again which goalies didn't have a chance to do in regular practice in team practice so i think we did a lot of uh, we did too much much repetition doing the same thing over and over again uh looking and seeking the the perfect solution the the perfect technique but that is uh it's uh it's important to understand that that is different for each individual and it's connected to a situation, not to a single shot 
it's the the entire situation. So I think it's really important for us not only to have variation in when we do more technical stuff, but also have more game oriented situations in practice. Uh, I think goalie coaches have had a tendency uh, to have really predictable drills too. So we we wanted the goalies to know exactly what was going to happen. We need more unpredictability. We need more uh, game-like situations. We need more um, combat and drills and have bring more instinct into how we solve problems in practice because this what I'm talking about is problem solving and the problem doesn't look the same twice it's it's a different problems every time you you step on the ice in, in every situation in every game I was going to say, and in the last five years, those problems have become incredibly dynamic. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm listening to this and I'm guessing I, I can, you've mentioned the podcast with Marco and with Devin uh, and a big part of what they did. And it was, it was eye-opening for us was just, there was a lot of compete. Everything finished out. Uh, there was method in the madness. Um, they talked about technique. The first half of the practice was focused on sort of skill building. But then the, the second half of a lot of their sessions on a three-on-three rink where I think a lot of goalies would be like, this isn't real hockey, was just just all out. And I can't wait, now that, I've, now that we've had this conversation, I can't wait to share some of that film with, with our, our audience at Ingle. We're still making our way through the drills because it sounds like this. we're in agreement a little bit that instead of being something we need to shy away from because it's too hard, um, maybe this is something we need to be inching towards in terms of training. And uh, what I mentioned about traveling and meeting people is that at least in Sweden, Finland, and in the U.S., I know the uh, national federations, they, they uh, work along this line in, in all of player development now, not only in goaltending, but in player development, to have more variation, to have more game-oriented practice and not doing the same things over and over again. And in, in player development, it's, it, it's a lot about seeing the opportunities. Uh, we, we talk a lot about ho- hockey IQ. What is hockey IQ? What is goalie IQ? It's not, it's not a one shot for the goalie. It's not one shot, one save. It's an entire situation and, and see the whole environment. That's why this is uh, ecological environment, right? And dynamics, movement. So it's a combination of, of psychology and biomechanics. Now, how do we, you know, I talked about the drills there, and I don't want to put words in your mouth in terms of where we need to inch towards in terms of dynamic environments and training. But you know, the question becomes, how, how do we train? Because some of what you're talking about, too, is some of its reads, right? Like that, that's part of anticipation and, and sort of, yes, the reads have changed because the game has never been more dynamic, more East-West, more skill on the other end of it. But how do we, is there a way other than just experience that we can do more to teach goalies how to read play? One part, uh, and that's why I really uh, uh, got interested in, in Sansarina, is uh, new ways of, of practicing read. Because you can do it just so much on the ice. And if you can do that off the ice, that's 
one more level or one more opportunity to practice that way. And the funny thing is that I I got introduced to uh, a study that was made in, I think it was 1979, uh, which was labeled uh, visual cues in ice hockey goaltending when they were studying the importance of reading the shot. And I've been thinking about that and trying to implement that thought process into coaching and, and practice. But it wasn't until I was introduced to Sensorina, I realized that's exactly what this new way of practice will bring to the game, to have an opportunity to practice that outside of the ice. And specifically when you have real live shooters with real shots that you can study and you can practice against and really practice the read of the shot and react to it. And, and this is one more thing that, that comes from, from ecological dynamics, which is to have uh, in everything you practice, you should couple your action to what you perceive. So you couple perception and action. That's the foundation of ecological dynamics. So don't practice, don't think that you will learn very much and it will be very effective if you don't couple uh, those two parts. If you, for example, do a lot of things with, uh, uh, let's say, just crease movement. If you just bring a pass and a puck into crease movement drills, you will have uh, that coupling. You you will couple your movement and your decision to what you perceive, to where the puck is moving and someone is passing, someone is shooting. So there are a lot of ways you can bring that principle into practice by just having players, having shooters, having more realistic drills. Uh, to our traditional goalie drills where we just do the same thing over and over again without the coupling of the perception and action. I love that. And that I love the example, Thomas, because I, I was trying to picture what exactly that meant, like what that looks like in the real world, that coupling. And that's such a great example. And funny enough, like, again, I, I don't want to, I feel like a, this is a Marco Romando, Devin Levi tire pump here, but um, our first drill that we released was, it was just back and forth crease movement, but Marco was adding his stick blade as a point of reference for the middle. So it, there was a, I just think I just wrote it up as there was a dead dynamic element as opposed to just going through the mindless motions of here to here to here to here. And it sounds like that, I don't know if it's a perfect example, but it sounds like an example of what we're talking about in terms of adding that thought process to an activity that, like I said, can sometimes become almost just an automatic, non-thinking um, warm-up situation. Yeah. yeah, because I think there are a number of levels or layers into, for example, if you have creased movement, the first one is that as a goalie, you decide yourself. There's no decision at all, right? And then the next level is that you have a coach telling you where to go. So you have one more level, but the the uh, the level way when you reach the uh, the the level of 
of a game-like situation is when you have the actual pass and the actual shot. So if you want more realistic and thereby more effective practice, bring as much of the game as possible to your drill. We talk about, because one of the other conversations I wanted to have with you and ask you about was sort of workload and managing, you know, we talk about repetition and there's repetition that is harmful is probably too harsh a word, but it's not good for us. Like, you know, the butterfly is not a natural position for the human body. And so um, I guess that would be an example of it. If, if your practice is more intentional because you have that coupling, you're not wasting body sort of energy or, or, or reps in a butterfly or doing things that are tough on the body on, like I said, sort of that autonomous sort of mindless walkthrough. Everything has a more of a gameplay element. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings me to uh, why I uh, spent some time in Toronto. I was invited by the Maple Leafs. They had their own um, sports science symposium in their organization where they had their own experts and invited some experts. And the reason why I was invited was the, the studies that Tobias Werner, myself, and Ryan Frain from Canada has been involved in looking at the, uh, as, you, as you mentioned, the load on goaltenders and the effects of injury on goaltenders, which I think has a lot to do with what we're talking about now, the, the repetition, doing the same things all over and over again uh, in games, because we we tend to stay very much in the same positions against the post, for example. Uh, and how have we, as coaches, tried to teach that to our goalies? Well, with a lot of repetition. And I think we can do the same thing on the ice with more variation, but being in those positions, but not staying as long as we have done and not doing the same exact same movements over and over again, which will mean more variation and not having the same load over and over again. And also we had the standing crease um, movements where we have found that the the very hard stops after a T-push, for example, also puts a lot of uh, demand on our hips. And if we do that, that over and over again, the same repetition, instead we could do uh, other things in between so we, we don't put that much load in, in, in such a short period of time and have more variation in that practice as well. Uh, so, so that's something we were discussing in that conference where they had uh, experts on on uh, hip surgery, groin surgery, uh, experts on other parts that were connected to goaltending, like scanning, for example, which uh, if we are will become better in scanning, we will also have a reason to have more variations in our practice if we bring that in. To, to, to scan the entire situation and not focus just on on, on the actual shot. And um, uh, I was there 
and also Ryan was there. Tobias unfortunately couldn't be there, but uh, he was connected online, and we had uh, great discussions on how how we can bring more, especially variation to to practice uh, with their goalie coaches, with their uh, um, performance, the entire performance team of their organization. And I think that was for me a starting point to to have more of those discussions within the entire goalie coach community, which I would like to bring to our hockey, uh, international hockey conference that we will have during the the uh, under 20 junior worlds in, in Gothenburg in, in January, where we will have one path for team coaches and one path for goalie coaches much like we did in uh, Malmo 10 years ago during the same tournament. I was going to say, I want to definitely want to talk about that and, and make sure we give that a huge plug. I want to just rewind for one sec, not to ask you for too many examples, but when you talk about changing what we do in those, in certain moments in practice, um, you know, you talk about the T pushes and the hard stops. And I was always fascinated by that because we had so much focus on reducing butterfly drops but I think we're both aware of the study. I think it was out of Michigan that those that push stop, hard stop, as soon as you create that rotation um, at the end of that movement, that hard heel kick, like you're internally rotating the hip and, and potentially doing damage there too. So um, give me an example, can you, of how we would alter a practice? Like, are you talking like for a goalie, if, as the situation's moving around, maybe they don't track and, and push to every spot, but just focus on the end? Or I was trying to picture in my mind how we might bring that into a practice. Is there any way you could give me just one example? Well, one example is the, what I've mentioned about variability. If if you do the same thing over and over again with very short periods of rest in between, if you just push and stop, push and stop, back and forth, you do the same thing over and over again. You put a lot of load in in one short period of time. And if you have more variation, if you push and stop and then perhaps you you uh, go down in a butterfly and you you push down on the ice and then up so if you have more variation in your movement you will not have put the same load as you do when you do the exact same movement all the time okay i think i is, got you now uh, which is which is what what a lot of goalie coaches did for example, when we started using the RVH, we were pu- pushing back and forth, back and forth uh, between the posts. So we were very much in the same positions, uh, back and forth, right and left. But if we would have had more variations in that and, and pushing up to a standing position and then perhaps down and, and moving with more variation, we would have saved our hips. I would uh imagine okay so yeah just a matter of mixing it up like even with rather than like doing the same rep 20 times you can have different yeah yeah, okay i told i totally i appreciate that because i just i heard it but i didn't in my mind didn't see the application that may be the concussion speaking right now but i really appreciate you walking us through (laughs) that because now it makes a lot more sense it's just a matter of not hammering the exact same pattern over and over and over again exactly and you you would never do the same pattern over and over again in the game, right? Of course. So if you can also bring the variation of doing things more game-like uh, or representative of the game as as 
some people uh, would call it, uh, then it would also, as you say, hammer in variation, which you have in, in a game. And if you also connect that to what you perceive in a game, which is a puck being passed or, or someone skating with it or, or have more realis- game reali- realistic situations. Uh, for example, uh, when you and I met at the uh, goalie coach conference, we uh, had goalie coaches do a lot of different drills. And at that time, I, I uh, tried to ask the coaches about uh, all the drills were based on technique. If you base it on technique, there is a tendency that you repeat the same thing over and over again. So I asked, why why don't we have any drills that are based on situation? Because if you have a situation, you can vary the situation. What happened before the actual shot? What happened after? And then you can build drills from one, one shot. You can build in different situations. There was one pass, two passes, skater moving with the puck. And you can build from that shot on goal and you can also build what happened afterwards there was a rebound to your left to your right uh you you were trying to freeze the puck so for for me drills on a more individual basis with goalie coach and goalie if you do it more based on situation than on technique it will um it will help you to get more variation and more game-like practice. So we're, we're, in theory, we're helping them in terms of creating practices that, like you said, will transfer more directly into game situations and reads while maybe at the same time saving their body. Exactly. You mentioned the conference. I was going to save it to the end, but let, let's, let's make sure we plug that here. Um, I got a few more different things I want to chip away at with you, but but walk me through what it's going to be like. You mentioned splitting it up and sort of having two sides to it uh, at the World Junior Championships. Uh, what kind of guests are we talking about? What, who can attend? I guess that's the biggest one. Who who can come? Who can come sort of, do you need a certain level of certification or experience to, to be a coach that wants to come and learn about these things? No, it's open to, to anyone. And uh, I think anyone who is involved in hockey and curious and want to learn and to share because there will be a lot of uh, room for discussion uh, would benefit from uh, taking part. And it's, it's, uh, it's advertised on the website of, of uh, uh, the Swedish Hockey Association and it's, it will be all be in English. And the uh, registration is in English, and perhaps we can post a link somewhere. It's it's on yeah. my Twitter. We'll put it in the show um, notes. Yeah, for sure. And as I mentioned, it will be two paths: one one for team coaches and one for goalie coaches. But we will have two or three um, presentations that will be for for both sides. One will be by uh, Joe Baker. He was the author of uh, uh, the book, um, The Tyranny of Talent. And we'll be discussing what is talent 
Dr. Joe Baker and a best-selling author. Uh, one more person who will be, uh, which I am really, really happy about, speaking to coaches and goalie coaches is Mary Mountain, because I think this is con also connected how we, uh, as goalie coaches, have changed how goalies have had the opportunity to practice more uh, goalie-specific, but goalie-specific also uh, means that you need a foundation before you can be too specific. And that, that's one of the main topics for Maria to speak about, how she has worked very, very specifically with goalies, but always been emphasizing the need for the foundation in, in physical training, which you need before you can be all that specific. And I think that's important for, for all coaches, not only goalie coaches. So that's another one. And on the goalie side, we will have uh, one Swedish, two go Swedish goalie coaches, uh, Masken, uh, Masek Swoosh, you, who you have met, uh, who is now the coach in uh, Färjestad in Swedish SHL. And his co former colleague, Magnus Helene, uh, and they will speak about the path of uh, Linus Ulmark from juniors, because we will be at the World Championship for juniors, to the Vezina Trophy, uh, because they were uh, coaching him in Moodle, uh, with the help of Ian Clark, actually, uh, for quite a number of years, from U16, I believe, up to the men's team. And they will speak about uh, Linus's uh, path and with the help of, of uh, Linus himself. So they will pre-record some stuff with him. So that will be interesting. And uh, as I mentioned before, our, our connection with USA Hockey uh, means that we will bring uh, Ken Martell and uh, their goalie guy, Steve Thompson, from USA Hockey will be with us and do have a presentation about how they have changed their development in, in Steve's case, specifically for goalies. And hopefully we will have people there from other countries like Finland and we have participating coaches from the, from the teams that I, I would like to bring in, the goalie coaches. So if we can have, for example, I know Justin Page will be there for, for Team Canada. We will have uh, Peter Anderson, a Swedish goalie for Norway, goalie coach for Norway. We will have uh, Victor Alm uh, for our Swedish team. We will have Peter Kosa from from Slovakia, and hopefully we can bring them in for for, for a panel or something. Uh, they haven't been uh, in, invited officially yet, but hopefully, because this is so closely connected to the tournament, we can have them some way or another be be participating. Uh, during the uh, the tournament, uh, that that's my my goal with this. Uh, so we can have not only the the speakers, but also more more active goalie coaches. And I know there will be a number of of uh, goalie scouts from the NHL and and goalie directors that I hope to to be able to uh, attract their interests. I, I have a few of the directors that that I have approached. 
And uh, speaking of NHL, uh, Dave Alexander will uh, have a, a presentation, not not being present by being, but being present uh, online for Q and A's after a pre-recorded presentation. Nice. That's a lot, and it sounds like in 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 a lot of sounds like those old network goaltending symposiums that we met at, where you have your presentation component, but because you've just got like-minded people in the position there in person, it, it, it becomes, like you said, there's, there's not only are there the discussion groups formally, but everything becomes, you leave the presentation and it sparks a conversation and everybody just ends up sharing ideas afterwards, which was to me, one of the best parts of, of those old network symposiums. And sounds like you've got that set up for a similar type of environment there. Yeah. And it, it, it is actually the 10th anniversary of when this all started that that sparked network goaltending was our symposium that we had in Malmo during the 2014 Worlds, uh, uh, Junior Worlds, when we had almost 125 goalie coaches pre- present, and uh, from from a lot of different countries that I, I hopefully we will bring to to Gothenburg this time and do something similar. And as we mentioned when we started, this is necessary now to to have goalie coaches come together and discuss where we're heading and how we can approach this, uh, not gap yet, but if we don't do something spectacular soon, there will be a gap between scoring and, and, and goaltending. And uh, I, I ha- actually have a, what do you call it? a diagram that that uh, I'm looking to right now, where where scoring and goaltending has always followed each other. There, the most things that has been uh, introduced to hockey over the last like twenty years, since twenty four and twenty five, when the the NHL was interrupted. Uh, they changed the the goalie gear. They changed uh, the interpretation of uh, hooking and holding. Uh, a lot of things they introduced the trapezoid. So a lot of things have been done to raise the level of scoring and to to tighten this race between goalies and scorers. And as we see today, it's the first time in many years now almost since 20 yeah it is since since uh 2005 that scoring is actually going in the direction where it's surpassing goaltending yeah no i've like like i said that's the the subject for the first nhl.com column of the of the year is sort of how do we get to a 904 as the league average and save percentage because i don't think goalies have gotten worse it's just shooters and attacks are getting better Absolutely. Speaking of better, how about the best? I wanted to ask you really quickly, going into the Hall of Fame, Henrik Lundqvist, um, and just his impact, because I don't know how he played necessarily was prototypical or stereotypical. We saw an evolution once he came over here under Benny Allaire. Um, but I'm just curious what his impact is in Sweden as, as, as now as he heads into the Hall of Fame after such a remarkable career. Because I don't... Again, like it's that dynamic of 
I don't know that anybody was watching and teaching exactly how he was playing, but certainly there's a lot that could be learned from the success he had and the way he did it. If that makes sense. I, I absolutely. And I, I think uh, Henrik's impact has been monumental uh, in Sweden. Um, we have actually been talking about this since we first learned that he was going to retire, that what's going to happen in Sweden, because he has been such a, how do you say, uh, mod, role model for for uh, for kids in Sweden. Right. And what we did last year was that from the Swedish Ice Hockey Association, we we supplied every um, youth team in Sweden on the starting level with a hockey school with two sets of goalie year um, because we want to promote goaltending and having every kid had uh, to have the opportunity to try out for goalie. So goalie gear that is uh, easy to change so we can ch- they can the kids can change during practice even during play. It takes less than one minute to change from from player to goalie and back and forth. And the main reason for that, from my part, was what's going to happen now when we don't have Hank uh, as a role model. And that is as a goalie on the ice, of course, but also as a role model outside of the ice, how he has behaved and, and been promoting Swedish hockey and goaltending specifically. Uh, so uh, you cannot underestimate what he has meant for for uh, goalie development in, in Sweden. And uh, hopefully he will continue to m- mean a lot outside the ice now because of the, the person he is and the legacy he has created. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a great honor for him, of course, but it's also an honor for, for Swedish hockey that he's uh, what he has achieved and what he's uh, achieving forward. What uh, so like when I hear that, does that mean like like losing Hank as the as on the ice role model? Like like are you was there actually a concern when you when you do make a step like that to make sure that everybody can play goal? Um, there's a little part of the back of my head that says, does that mean you didn't have enough kids wanting to play goal, or is it just making sure that everybody like can we hit a point because we've seen that right like. You know, Quebec, Wa, Brodeur, everybody wanted to be a goalie. Kiprasov in Finland, everybody wanted to be a goalie. We see what's going on in Russia right now, but Borovsky, Veznas, and, and, and Vasilevsky. I mean, you still have Markstrom, you still have Linus Allmarks, the reigning Vezina Trophy winner, but is there, was there at all any part of this of sort of like, geez, are kids going to want to be goalies without Hank? Absolutely. Uh, that, that was a thought. And, and also, with growing costs, in ice hockey in general and goalie gear specifically and the the growing number of, of uh, uh, overused injury. I believe parents are not so keen to have their kids try out for goalie as they used to be. Good point. Uh, we, we thought that there was a decline in numbers of kids trying out. We have seen now in hindsight the year after that it wasn't really the problem we thought it was but uh, since 
Henrik is not there anymore as a role model on the ice, I think it was the right decision to really spark the interest of trying out to be a goalie and having every kid who wants have the chance to to try to to be a goalie and, and see what the position is about. And one more thing about this I think will be good in the future is that uh, we will have a lot of players who actually try to be a goalie who knows what the position is about. And we will have more interchange in be- between positions in youth hockey. Now we're speaking of seven, eight, nine-year-olds, uh, which mean that we will have goalies who are better skaters. They know more about the game. They're better puck handlers because we're changing positions in youth hockey. And at the same time, which goes very well along with with what we've been talking about earlier, is that at the same time, we're going from cross ice to even smaller surfaces. So in U9 and under, we're not playing full ice. We're not playing half ice. We're not even playing cross ice. With U9 and under, we play in half zone ice. We have two games in one zone on on each side of the net in that direction and with smaller nets for for the youngest kids to really promote goaltending, to see the fun of it and the fun of making saves. Supposed to be in the goalie when some of those games get down in the other end and stay there for long periods of time and you're not doing much and the play's uh, 180 feet away from you. Yeah, we will have like four, five, six times as many touches for the goalie and situations as we talked about not just shots but situations around the net and playing back and forth and rebounds and so a lot more active goalies and since they can also change in playing out we will have the other uh, benefits of of, uh, changing positions i love it now i if i remember correctly um USA Hockey had the interchangeable gear. I think it was from Pier Hockey that built the 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 equipment that was really quick change. Similar theory, or or actually the same, the exact same gear. Or did you guys have to go out and find a manufacturer to help you with that process? Yeah, we, this, this was actually for us a cooperation with CCM, who is our uh, partner in this, and we have been partners with them for for a number of years. We looked at pure hockey first, uh, but that was also in connection with Vaughn. Uh, but we we uh, we chose CCM because it's our partner, and they already had gear that was for us. It looked more like goalie gear, uh, and it was also m- more durable, and and uh, it wasn't actually made to be these interchangeable, but it was really, really, really easy to change because only a couple of straps and you could easily remove one or two strap, one strap and, and you have the the bungee cords that perhaps you don't need that with the youngest kids. So it, it's, uh, we, we made a film for our coaches so to, to watch how to change this and to have a fully dressed kid for as a player to put on the pads changing the gloves 
having the jersey that is padded is a goalie in less than one minute. I love it. And then just stripping that off and returning the, the player gloves and, and the player stick is less than one minute and they're back in action. I think I've got a new idea. Can we make something like that for beer league so that when the guys don't feel like <laughs> defending, we can force one of them to play a net and just get a taste of what it's like. I, I got a few guys yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to do that too and warm up even. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's hockey IQ, right? And, yeah, and goalie IQ. No, knowing more about goaltending. Um, the one, the one, the other thing I wanted to ask is you watch so much hockey. I mean, obviously internationally, who do, who do you love? Who do you love? Who do you, who do you, if Thomas Magnuson has a night off and he could pick any goaltender to watch for the evening, who's the guy? Who, who do you love to watch? Putting you on the spot a little bit. You have to, you probably have to yeah. say Swedish goalie, but where, where's, yeah. what do you, what do you, what do you still enjoy about watching the game and who do you like to watch for those reasons still? I've had different uh, goalies over periods of time, of course, and I, I, I'd like to go back to, to one of my favorites of all the time. Uh, in connection, a lot of what we're speaking about variations in game and, and smoothness and, and all of that is Carey Price. I, I think that there won't be a goalie around for, for a while who, who makes goaltending look so easy as Carey did when he played. I'm, I'm not sure if he has retired or not yet, but uh, the, the way he, he moves on the ice and, and makes goaltending look easy. Uh, and also the combination of what we talked about, the predictable game uh, and the, the blocking and the structured game for one part and the reactive, more instinct game on the other hand. So. In, in the last 20 or 30 years, I would say Carey Price. And, and now, of course, uh, I'm, I'm really happy to say that the game that Linus and, and Philip, uh, Linus Ulmark and Philip Gustafsson play is a, a model of goaltending that I really like to watch. Uh, I think they play also a game that is very much a combined game of those two extremes of goaltending that has been changing over time, uh, that they, they sort of connect the two, two, two different parts of goaltending in, into a mix that is really uh, great to watch and effective to play. I love it. I love it. I feel like we could, we've almost gone for an hour here, Thomas. I feel like we could, we could probably go for another hour, but I don't want to keep you too late. It's later, a lot later for you than it is for me. My day is just starting. Yours is just winding down. Um, thank you so much. Uh, we'll make sure we put in the show notes, some links for where people can uh, find out more information about attending the conference and being a part of that. Uh, I can't recommend it enough, whether you're a goalie coach a, a goalie, like if you have a passion for the position, you're going to learn as you probably have listening to this conversation for the last hour from Thomas. Uh, he's going to expose you to great minds and great people as well that are willing to share and be open with their ideas. So uh, make sure you check out the show notes uh, for more information on attending the conference uh, in Sweden during the World Juniors. A few better places to be at Christmas? After Christmas? After Christmas, around New Year's. So there's a, there's so a new, 
January third, fourth, and fifth. See, so you can still everybody can still have their Christmas dinners with their family, and then take a take a flight to Sweden and get involved with yeah. the conference. Thomas, thanks so much yeah, for this. And, uh, and, and the yep. best part is that that uh, we will have time to watch the semifinals, the bronze game, and the gold medal game. That yeah. will be a great time, just after New Year's. So thanks for having me, uh, Woody, and uh, uh, great to be back. Uh, a pleasure was ours. Thank you for making the time, and we'll make sure there's a fourth one coming up soon. love listening to just the pursuit of goaltending and it got me thinking like who who comes up with the save save selection how do you come up with that save selection uh technical uh, approaches is it the goalies is it the goalie coaches uh, is it a mix it, it it's wild how how does somebody sit there and go i'm going to do the rvh before the rvh even exists well you can find out about that one at ingoalmag.com because it's one of the very first articles we published as part of the new Ingoal Premium. With Linda Blomquist from Right. Sweet. And ties to Thomas Magnuson and the whole process they go through from a coaching standpoint. So, you know, I, I think there and the answer is it's quite often a combination of two. Like it's often a collaborative exercise, right? Like I think Linda talked about that uh, in the article we did with her. I know, you know, when we talked about the the, the panda quote unquote, um, that was, you know, Dustin Wolf needing to find a solution to a very specific problem on a very specific play and working with his goalie coaches to find something they liked and something that for him was a game changer. Again, you know, I know we've seen it maybe over applied at times by others. It's, it you know, again, designed for a very specific situation and it works, especially for him and for, for, for goalies of his size in that situation. I'd actually argue it works for, it can work for any goalie in that specific situation, but that's, that's that's sort of the process, right? Like goaltending is about problem solving, you know, and the shooters are getting ahead of us, as Thomas said. So how do we problem solve it? One of his answers is we need to practice better, like like a more sort of broader rather than specific save selections, a, a little more of a broader sort of change in approaches there. But as far as specifics and like it's it's collaborative. It's about people like Thomas talking with people from all over the place. The Maple Leafs inviting people like Thomas to talk about it. Um, having meetings with USA Hockey, as he talked about, that shared collaborative approach. You get on the ice with a goaltender and a goalie coach, and they're solving problems. New ideas are born that way. And I think it's creating an atmosphere that allows that to happen as well. As we saw in Montreal with Devin and Marco as they were working together, there's a portion of the practice that's dedicated to, I think he called it programming, where you're working on the very specific skills but then there's a portion of the of the practice which is dedicated to just exploring your skills and putting you in very challenging situations, situations that never repeat, as Thomas was talking about in that interview as well. So creating that environment where you have the opportunity to do that. And then as a coach, I also think it's having the humility to be able to go to a goaltender and say, here's what I see, here's what I think, but what are you feeling? How do you think we can go about this together to find a good solution? Um, a lot of coaches feel that they have to know the answer to everything and dictate what has to be done. A great teacher works with their students and finds a solution together. Yeah, that well said. That idea of working on it while still expanding horizon is is a balance too, right? The practicing, practicing, practicing what you know, but also being open to 
just evolving. Well, as Woody said so perfectly, I think it was near the beginning of the interview. What's that balance between the art and the science? And how do we find that balance? And how do we find the art in the goaltending? And that's uh, that's what takes you from being somebody who can just run drills to somebody who's a very skilled teacher. Woodley is the art. Hutch is the science. And I'm the and. That's what happens. That That's how I would describe you guys. You you are the art, Woody. You, you just dress it up and you paint a beautiful picture. And the science and the technology and dialing in is Hutch. You are the, the math part of this thing. I connect you. The only, the only art in my and world. It's is- so funny because we have these conversations about technique all the time, Kevin and I. And just to give you an image, folks, I've literally watched Kevin get down on the floor of a restaurant explaining things to my son and how head trajectory can help him better with a particular save. Kevin loves the science of the save as well. So if there's somebody who knows the details as well as anybody in the world, Kevin doesn't give himself credit for this. Uh, He knows the position inside and out from a technical perspective. And then he and I get into these conversations and I think I bring some of the art to how we can put it in play on the ice. And he often thinks that maybe he can't be a coach because he doesn't have that side. I also disagree with him there. I think Kevin could be an unreal coach. No, I'd be too technical and I'd mess up kids' heads. I, 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 I once, Jenny Nabokov once let me interject in a, in a drill we were running at Net360 and I screwed the kid up so badly, had him overthinking he was a mess. So that's Well, and it. then you ran out of ice time too because you didn't stop talking. So Yeah, there's that too, right? So I think, I think we'll just stick with the journalism side of things. Uh, I am, though, a geek. I do love this. And that's why I love conversations with guys like Thomas Magnuson. Um, because it was his phrase about sort of always staying curious. I can't remember how we put it. Uh, and I think I sort of borrowed it in the question, but it was actually his phrase when we talked before we went on, before we started recording. And uh, I just think that's such a great approach. Um, I think back to Linus Elmark, right? Like why I was so enamored with the concept of recoil and him articulating it with Bob Essenza and sharing it was because I'd, there, w- there was something that I thought had become an absolute. Right. Like like set and square was had become an absolute in my mind to, to good goaltending. And it's not like there are no absolutes. Never. And we can only find new answers to these new questions that shooters are posing to us if we continue to have the conversations that that guys like Thomas Magnuson have with goalies and goalie coaches and shooters. Thomas Magnuson was the shooting coach for the under 18 team of Elias Pettersson and Jesper Bratt, the scoring coach. Like you have to have conversations with, we have to know what the enemy is doing to understand how we defend it. And only through those conversations do we continue to move this position and this game forward. And there's few better at it than Thomas Magnuson. So thank you so much to him for taking the time to be a part of our podcast. And as I said, I think incorrectly before Hutch fixed it, I wish I could speak Swedish so that, or listen and understand Swedish so I could tune in to hit the podcast that he does back home on a regular basis because I know they're just loaded with great stuff. Embrace the art. Pursue the science. It's goaltending. In Goal Radio, the podcast, presented by the Hockey Shop, source for sports Langley, thehockeyshop.com. We'll chat with you next week.